Hey, what's going on, my friends? It's the 6th of April, 2020. What a beautiful day. 65 degrees still. Ain't a whole lot going on. Had some patience in the office today. Nice, reasonable pace. Allowed me to safely take care of everybody in the most secure and sanitary environment. A lot of people out walking now as I'm heading home from the office. <clears throat> I'm sorry, not a lot of people walking, but there are some people on a beautiful night kind of taking little strolls around, trying to get their exercise. One of the things that, that I've seen... Uh, parodied is that oh this guy passed got a little crosswalk here trying to be a nice guy so one of the things I've seen parodied during this time period is that people are outside more than ever taking walks now. Of course, it's spring is here, so that's nice, right? People have the opportunity to get out and about. The fair weather kind of summons us to do that, and life springs eternal. I don't know. Fucking figure of speech. Fucking buds on trees, beautiful blooms. Grass is becoming green. Everything is like a renewed, right? That's what people love about spring and summer. Everything is fresh and clean and every day the sun just kind of blankets the earth with growth, healing, energy. It's our energy source, man. It's it's what we should be worshiping more than anything because it's the only thing we got. It's the ultimate catalyst for growth on this planet. Listen, I'm going to real quick, because uh, <clears throat> today's been a pretty good day. I'm looking forward to going home to my my family now. But um, I want to talk real quick about this thing with this carrier captain. He's a Navy, Navy captain. He's charged with command of a gigantic vessel. I forget the name of it, but it was an aircraft carrier. So thousands of sailors and marines on this vessel. It's frickin' floating city, right? The crew starts to come down with this COVID-19. And, the, of course, the captain is probably a real slick dude. He's a former aviator. He's no slouch. And he's watching... He's hip to the current events. He knows there's a pandemic. He knows there's a risk on board. He sees that there have been some cruise cruise vessels, cruise ships, that have really had a tough time. Given the close quarters, you know, everybody's living in these tiny little compartments and it's got a closed circuit air system. And it just, it, it's perfect for this sort of the spreading of any sort of pathogen. 
And we've seen things over the years where, like, norovirus, a GI bug or something like that, affects people on board a cruise and everybody's puking and crapping and everything like that. So that obviously is not a pretty picture. That's not what we think of when we want, well, it's not what we should be thinking about when we go on a cruise. Or maybe it is. But most people are thinking about wonderful meals, entertainment, stopping on all these little ports of call throughout the, the place and partying it up, depending upon what they're looking for. I know people who've gone on cruises from ranging from carnival party boats to family cruises to smaller cruise lines going down the the Danube River or these whatever river systems we have going through Europe that stop along the way. Smaller upscale cruises, like two-week jobs, right? Or cruises around the world, all that shit. Listen, I did a cruise on a Navy vessel for six months. We went all over the Mediterranean, stopped everywhere. And it's an incredible thing to experience. Uh, even in the Navy, in the Marine Corps, it's, it's quite the thing to be out there floating on the blue water, out there in the middle of the ocean, can't see nothing no land for a week or two weeks it took us we took our time crossing the Atlantic it took us a long time to get across 10 days or something like that and our first port was Rota, Spain and it was very interesting to do that and I've talked about pulling up to these different uh, ports and all the little tugboats and the pilot boats that would guide us in through like the Straits of Gibraltar, for instance, and you're looking at land on both sides, and you're this, all of a sudden, you, you emerge from this vast ocean, and now you're going through this tiny little strait, and you can see the turkeys on one side, and I don't know what's on the other side, Spain, Morocco, something like that. I'm not up to speed on my geography, which is not a great thing, but it was interesting pulling into all these places and looking out and as I've said before, described before, you're looking at a civilization, you're looking you're smelling all the food, all the farts, all the diesel fuel, all of the engines churning uh, all of the inhabitants of this land, let's say it's Israel smells a little bit different in Israel than it does in Italy they all have common scents, but, you know, such as the food or whatever, but there's there's a little bit of a different difference. I remember I remember that freaking distinct smell pulling up to these various ports of call and getting out and going and taking part in the grub and the booze and the ladies of the night throughout these different places. It's found it very interesting. So I'm cool. I, cruising it seems like a great type of vacation. It's a bummer that this sort of thing happens, but there's a lot of fucking, you know, there was a couple instances. You imagine going on a cruise and like three quarters of the way through it, they're like, hey, people are getting sick, guys. There's this uh, thing called coronavirus, and we just determined that we're, we got some people on the ship that went out in Tokyo or wherever the fuck and they came back and they're getting ill we 
recommend everybody go back to their cabins and we're going to do our dinner in this sequence and the port of call in <clears throat> in uh, uh, Bahamas is not going to happen da, 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 da. I mean imagine being on a cruise in during this fucking outbreak oh my god so there's been a few cruise boats quite a few who have been out there and their passengers got sick and now then they were quarantined for two weeks seemed like fucking two months everything is is unfolding so so quickly it's strange time is kind of standing still right now it seems like we're talking you know they were quarantined on floating around or dockside or wherever for months but it was actually just a couple weeks maybe a month it's a long time when you were planning on going on a seven or ten day cruise right so now I read that they're mandating that the passengers some of these cruise ships pulled off and said okay get the fuck off and people were happy to do so and then they made their way home however possible they flew home on commercial flights Imagine all the contagion that spreads that way. So now they're saying the government is mandating that the cruise lines have to, are responsible. They need to fly these people home on chartered flights. All right, who's going to L.A.? Who's going to New York? Who's going to Kentucky? We're going to, the flight's going into this place. It'll be somebody to drive you home. So the logistics are crazy. That industry is fucked. So here is this Navy captain, been in the frickin' force for, you know, been in the service for 30 years or more. He's in command of a fucking floating city. His sailors start getting sick. He pleads, apparently, to his chain of command, hey, what's going on here? We're, we're, we got problems. If this spreads and we're not able to take care of these people, it's going to spread throughout the ship throughout the ship, we're going to be dead in the water. You know, people could die on this ship. People need to be taken off the ship to be quarantined. I'm sure that they have, you know, they're aware of this possibility. If a disease spreads on ship, these guys could be out there floating around. Sure, their their job is to float around for the contingency that there would be warfare and they have to do their job. This is interesting for the non-military people listening to this podcast. This is what we're taught in boot camp. Primary mission, primary priorities for whatever force is mission accomplishment is the number one priority and then troop welfare. So troop welfare comes second to mission accomplishment. That's what these guys are thinking. It's kind of an antiquated thing, and there, but there are reasons for it. Mission accomplishment is primary, and then troop welfare. And that's in wartime. That's what we're taught. That's what we're trained to, to do. And I guess the theory could be that if you don't accomplish the mission, then everybody could wind up dead, Right? If you're dilly-dallying around out there, kind of not taking things so seriously, and you're fucking, okay, the troops are getting a little sick, you got a cold on board, and then somebody blows up your carrier, or you're unable to respond, 
So I understand that there are significant logistics in here. We're talking thousands, a floating city of thousands of people that that have all kinds of armament, all kinds of things that, that go boom. Cruise missiles, who fucking knows, nuclear warheads, jets with all kinds of ammunition. So it's it's a significant thing, and listen, that's what I assumed that that posture, mission accomplishment, troop welfare, that was something that we would stand around when we were drilling our knowledge in boot camp, and I was the knowledge recruit, and I would say, you know, what's the, what's the Marine Corps, you know, priorities, mission accomplishment, recruit, the first priority is mission accomplishment, second order business is troop welfare, so it's written there, it's a known quantity. And that's why he was relieved, and on some, in some respects, you know, I agree with that. He, he would need to be relieved, but I don't know. If he pleaded with the powers that be and they didn't take any action while he's watching his troops suffer and everybody cooped up on sleeping in these fucking stacked like cordwood inside these birthings, as they call them, they have like rack on top of rack we had as Marines, we had these canvas racks that were strapped to these aluminum frames with, with uh, rope. It was kind of a, a kind of hammock, like a sturdier hammock. And three or four people high. 20 or 30 people inside the birthing. And you would climb down through a hatch down these metal stairs and you'd step onto a tile floor that we clean and shine and we're always cleaning the place, cleaning everything but it's kind of difficult to clean when you've got just shitloads of marines and sailors coming in and out all day long, farting so it's crazy um, so on the one hand I understand and I acknowledge mission accomplishment comes before troop welfare on the other hand, I'm saying, thinking this guy's got his fucking soldiers and mar- or marines and sailors, not in that order necessarily, floating around, and they can't, if they're sick, they can't fulfill their mission. And if this guy's getting um, grief, they're not taking the action, they're not letting him pull into port in order to take appropriate actions and get whoever is, you know, significantly sick and contagious off the ship, then that's a problem. And ultimately, I'll say that I agree with the captain. And I agree with his sailors that it seemed like they gave him a hell of a freaking, you know, going away party, cheering his name and, and thanking him for his support. Because it's not all the time that our leaders in the military really looking out for their people. But that is that is our mission, man. There's nothing more important than that. If you go out there with a, with a squad of Marines or a boat full of personnel, wherever you're serving, you want to make sure all those guys and gals go home. And so things must have been pretty fucking bad in order for this captain to 
to do what he did, which ultimately, I think he sent some communication out to different people within the military, and somebody leaked it to the press, and then it was a big scandal. I mean, the military can do whatever they want to do. The powers that be, they want to relieve him. Okay. And they disagree with his actions. Okay. I understand that it could cause a significant problem. I mean, you could get these, as a result of him being relieved, you could get these sailors, they'll fucking mutiny, man. If they feel like their health is in question and that this guy was looking out for them and whoever comes in to calm their waters and and, and uh, handle the situation after he left, they might revolt. And they're young men and women. So it could be a real problem. But I agree with the guy. I don't want to be on it. I, as somebody who's floated around on a ship for six months of my life, uh, I wouldn't want to be on that ship if everybody's getting sick. And for perspective, I had something, I don't know, some kind of flu when I was on that ship. We pulled into France. We're heading into France to do some training and have some liberty. I was so sick, I could not leave my rack. I was horribly sick. And so they left me behind. I didn't go out to train in France, nor did I get too much liberty. Um... But I did manage to get out to a bar one night with my buddies <clears throat> after I after I healed up, and there we had some pretty a pretty cool story that I I think I told you before about this little Frenchman with a fucking little tiny guy with a leather jacket, and he pulled a knife on us while we were waiting for the uh, the phone booth. That's what we did back in the '90s and before, right? We had a phone booth and everybody be crowded around it with their calling cards trying to call their sweethearts and their parents and all this shit. Um, That's a story for another time. But can you imagine, if you've ever been on a cruise, if you've ever been on a vessel, if you've ever stayed in a college dormitory or a small apartment, you can imagine that, but the space is even more at a premium tiny spaces, people stacked in there. There's no way to distance yourself. I don't know if they were planning, if the the powers that be, the the admirals and such, would have had this, um, would have had his forces stay on the ship and just suck it up and maybe figures out they're young and healthy, we can fight this. But if a contagion spreads in that sort of proximity... Everybody could suffer, and some people could potentially die. Who knows? And when you're when you're really got that people in that close of proximity, what can happen? Now we're seeing and we're hearing that it's mostly older people, but who knows what could happen in a concentrated environment? Right? You never know. So that's very interesting. That little current event as a former military guy. I tend to agree with the captain. I love to hear about uh, people who have uh, a soft spot for their war for their their war fighters. You know that, that these are my guys and gals. These are these are my forces in readiness, and I think that the right call is to pull this carrier into port and quarantine it for a period of time. We're going to accommodate for that, 
in this particular way. If the virus spreads too much, we're going to have everybody sick. I don't know. You got to always listen to the guy on the ground is the thing. When you're in a situation like this, which is dire, you can't, it's hard to judge one way or the other. I'm just giving you my opinion. And as I pointed out, I can kind of see both both points of view. But I got a real soft spot for anybody who looks out for their people and says, you know what, mission accomplishment, uh, we don't really have any major conflict right now. Nobody needs to fucking die as a result of this. I need to get my sailors taken care of, quarantined, um, and then we'll go back out. But we got to drop some people off sort of thing. It sounded like they were discouraging that sort of thing. So, and that's why they relieved them. So we'll see what happens with that story. I'm following that pretty closely. Just my two cents. Love and respect. Huh!